Hey, if you got a Bible, Genesis chapter 1 is what you need to find. It shouldn't be too difficult because it's the very first book in your Bible, so just two pages in. Uh, besides launching two services today, we're kicking off a brand new series that I'm super excited about called FAQ. I'm trying to answer some frequently asked questions. The, uh, the questions have all come uh, purposed, petitioned by you, the people. These are real questions, real cases. The, the people are real. The verdicts are real. The judgments are final. Judge Judy, nobody is on that. Okay, that's fine. You watch some TV sometime. But uh, the reason I like to do this kind of a series every single year, which in fairness, this is a little bit more of a teachy type of a series rather than a preachy kind of series, but you get preachy 48 other times out of the year. You can handle teachy once in a while. But the reason I like to do more of a teaching type of a series is because unfortunately, there are many churches in this country that are known for answering questions questions and nobody's asking. And I don't want that to be us. Or or worse yet, there's a lot of churches that are known for steering away from questions that people are asking. And so that's never going to be us. In fact, next week we're trying to answer the question, is hell real? A lot of people want to know about that. They've they've asked that. Uh, And if it is real, how could a loving God send anyone to hell? So I'd encourage you to come back if you're interested in that. But New Anthem is just always going to be a safe place for you to ask questions and explore faith. And honestly, honestly, there's just nothing information-related that's going to be off-limits for us here because I think it's important for you to understand that this is not just some emotional decision that you're making. Uh, When you when you choose to trust in Jesus. We have real, historical, intellectual evidence for believing in Him. In fact, I'd say, uh, I'd go so far as to say that God enjoys it when you ask questions about Him. God enjoys making Himself more known to you. So this morning, I'm trying to answer the question, has science disproved the existence of God? Uh, which in my experience, what people are really asking is, has science disproved the Christian God of the Bible? I have yet to see the debate between science and the imam, although Muslims uh, make the same exclusive claims that Christianity does. It appears as this, uh, those, this peaceful have, religion has uh, ran off all of its critics, but we can debate that some other time. Uh, so, but uh, in, again, in fairness, this is going to be a little bit of a difficult uh, conversation, so uh, let me lighten the mood. Some of you came to hear a joke. Can I tell you a joke? A little girl sat on her grandpa's lap. She asked, did God make me? Yes, the grandpa replied. She then asked, did God make you too? Oh, yes, the grandpa chuckled. With a little bit of concern, the girl looked at her grandpa's wrinkles and his balding head, and she remarked, he sure is doing a better job nowadays. (laughs) uh, That hit close to home for me this week. Found some gray hair in my face, and I was like, what is going on? But... Uh, these are questions that kids ask a lot, though, isn't it? Did God make me? And my son's to the age now where he's asking, well, who made God? And that's really what we're going to try and answer for you this morning. So let me pray, and then we'll dive in. Uh, God, again, we're so thankful for you, for your presence, that you're here with us even right now. 
Uh, I just ask you to do what only you can do and, and open up our eyes to see some truths in your word and uh, open up our hearts to understand you and draw us closer to you. Uh, God, these words that I'll be speaking have nothing uh, if not you in them. And so I just ask you to be uh, in these words and in this time. Uh, Thank you most of all for the free gift of salvation through your son, Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Has science disproved God? Short answer, no. Uh, I think I can explain to you why, but I think there's a bigger question that people are really trying to to ask and and get the answer in when they uh, ask this question, and, and that is, is God real? I think that's really the question that people want to know. Is God real? And to be fair, there's a lot of places you can turn to to answer that question. Uh, You could turn to philosophy. Uh, I found philosophy to be a little bit too arcane for me, too mysterious. They ask some weird questions uh, uh, like who put the alphabet into alphabetical order? I have no idea. Philosophy, uh, you got me on that. Uh, if, if you're born deaf, what language do you think in? Uh, sign language? I have no, no idea what, what language you think in. Uh, if I try to fail, but then succeed, what did I do? Right, it's too much. It's too much for me. Philosophy, I can't. So, uh, we're not turning to philosophy this morning. Um, some people turn to religion. The Lord knows there's plenty of those out there, but I don't think religion is helpful to find our answer. Is God real? Uh, either because typically every religion worships a god, and so they've already pre-established that their god is real. So uh, I think religion is kind of out. Uh, what people like to do is turn to science. Because if God is real, then there should be some scientific proof to prove the existence of God. I agree, there should be. And I believe that the most scientific proof points to the Christian God of the Bible. When placed under scrutiny, I believe Christianity is the only world religion that can stand up uh, to criticism, which is also why I believe it's criticized so much, uh, because it's the actual religion of the world. So I really have two goals for us this morning. I want to prove to you that science has not disproven God. In fact, you might jot this down uh, if you're taking notes. Uh, In order for science to exist, the only way science can exist is if God exists. Science cannot exist apart from God. I want to prove that to you this morning. The other thing I want to do is to help equip some of you this morning uh, by reminding you that there is real evidence for the faith that you have in God. I want you to be able to walk out of here confident in the God you serve and who He is. God is not a crutch because we need something. We're too insecure on our own, so we have to believe in God. No, there's much more than that. There's real truth. There's real eternal consequences for understanding who God is and what He's accomplished on our behalf. Uh, But at the end of the day, we're all betting our life on something. Some of us are betting on the fact that God is not real. Uh, Others of us are betting on the fact that God is real. And the question I'm hypothesizing right now is, if God is real, then which God should I follow? And what I hope for all of you this morning is that you'll choose to follow the Christian God of the Bible. I think from a scientific standpoint, uh, he, he is the God who makes the most sense. That's why I had you turn to Genesis chapter 1. Okay, let's look at it together. Start in verse 1. It reads, In the beginning, God created. Pause. 
these are the most important words within the entire Bible. These first five words cannot be over-exaggerated. If you can't believe or defend these five words, in the beginning God created, then throw out everything else you read in here. It's all gobbledygook. Uh, If God is not real, if He uh, did not create, if He wasn't there in the beginning, then there's no need for a Savior. There's no need for Jesus. We can just scrap the entire book. Uh, But because God does exist, uh, it's important for us to realize who He is. Uh, If God doesn't exist, then we can just do as the poem says, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. Uh, But there's an important uh, realization that you need to come to that uh, God is real, and He's got a way for you to live, and He has a purpose for your life, and He created you for that purpose. So that's where we're going. Science can't exist without God. I want to prove that to you. And the Christian God of the Bible is ultimately the only God who makes rational sense. Okay? First, uh, science and God. In order for me to make my case, I need to help you understand a universally accepted law in all fields of study. It's called the law of causality. Okay? Uh, some people call it the law of cause and effect. It simply states that every material effect must have an adequate antecedent or simultaneous cause. Can you repeat that in English? Pastor, I have no idea what you just said. I, know, I didn't either first, okay? So I'll simplify it. The law of causality means everything that has a beginning had a cause. Uh, it had to be created. And to be super precise, it means an effect can't be purposed by a cause. Okay, what you see, the effect, it can't uh, have caused the cause. Okay, I'll give you an example. Matter. We all know matter exists. Just take a look around. We're looking at matter right now. Or are we in the matrix right now, Pastor? Uh, There is no spoon. Um, Well, uh, I applaud your creativity, but even if we were in the matrix, at some point you could have gotten out. You would have seen the red pill. You would have uh, felt the jack in the back of your head. Uh, That's all matter. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. That's okay. You don't need to worry about any of that. You know matter exists, and that's all that's important. Uh, But... Uh, So matter exists, and we know matter exists, and the law of causality states that matter could not exist without being caused or being created. Furthermore, it means matter could not cause matter to exist because matter didn't exist before it was created. Are you tracking with that? I know there's a lot of uh, information to be thrown at you. First service got it, so surely you can get it by 1030. Um, But... Uh, An effect can't produce a cause. Now, we have to start there because the entire field of science depends on this law. At its most elementary level, this is what scientists do. They're trying to discover what is or was the cause of a particular effect. Uh, Like what causes cancer? What happened to the dinosaurs? if, if Catholics only uh, celebrate Mass on Saturday, do they cease to exist every day of the week? That's a joke, right? Mass? Ma- okay. Take that out for future reference. Uh, but the only reason scientists can make any claims or discovering and I- answering any questions at all is because the universe has orderly laws that operate by predictable and consistent measures. Gravity 
does the same thing every single time unless acted on by an outside force. Two plus two always equals four. The speed of light always remains the same. Now, getting back to the law of causality, logically, if everything that had a beginning had a cause, and then somehow if we could travel back in time, if, if we could load up you know, in, into the DeLorean or if if Dr. Strange could transport us back and, and trace this causal chain that, that created the thing after it, at some point, it must end with an uncaused first cause. A first cause that created all other causes. Again, I know that's a lot to handle first thing in the morning, but the point that I'm trying to make is that because of this law of causality and because we have laws in the universe that are consistent, the only way those things could occur is if something or someone created them. Okay, I'll say it this way. The only way you can have creation is if there's a creator. Uh, there's on, the only way you can have laws is if there's a lawgiver. And we have all of these things. My argument is that all of those things exist because of God. That God is the creator. God is the law giver. Now, in case you're a visual learner or you want to take notes, I'll put this up on screen to help summarize this for you. First, everything that has a beginning has a cause. Okay, that's point one. It's the law of causality. You can literally uh, not do science without this law. Everybody believes that this is true. Uh, nothing, if, if it wasn't for the law of causality, nothing could be repeated, nothing could be measured, everything would be anarchy. There could be no results for anything. No credible scientist would ever be willing to say that the, the law of cause and effect, the law of causality is not real. Okay? Everything that has a beginning has a cause, point one. Point two, the universe had a beginning. Well, how do we know that? Uh, because if there were an infinite number of days, we would have never arrived at today. Okay, if time never started, we couldn't be here right now. Even prominent atheist Stephen Hawking says, everyone now believes the universe and time itself had a beginning. Uh, everyone believes that. He goes on to say, though, and almost everyone believes it began at the Big Bang. We're not on that team, okay? We don't believe that. Uh, third point, since point one and point two are true, uh, number three, the universe had a cause, okay? Since the universe had a beginning, we know that, and since anything that had a beginning had to be caused or created, then the universe had a cause or it was created. None of that really is controversial, universally accepted within academia. The point of controversy then is not that, 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 there, that there was a beginning. The point of controversy is who started the beginning? Who created the beginning? What caused the beginning? Was it the Big Bang, as uh, Dr. Hawking suggests, or was it God? I believe there are multiple reasons for positing God. For starters, space, time, and matter had a beginning, which means the cause has to transcend space, time, and matter. Again, space can't create space, time cannot create time. The cause must be spaceless, timeless, and immaterial. Sounds a lot like how God describes himself. Uh, even in Genesis 1-1, I had a guy stop me after first service and said, it's all right there in Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created. They're spaceless, timeless, and immaterial. But watch this, Colossians 1-15. The sun is the image of the invisible God. That would be immaterial, outside. 
of material. The firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, there's timeless, and in him all things hold together, spaceless. He's in everything. So it's all right there in the one uh, passage. And again, in Genesis 1, we uh, look at the Bible as a whole. So if you don't trust the Bible, that's okay for now. It's also reasonable to conclude that this uncaused first cause was God, because even if you believe in the Big Bang, you've somehow got to get to the creation of time and gravity and these two atoms that collided. Like somehow you've got to explain all of those things. Uh, and when you really start diving into it and researching it, it all becomes a huge mess because nobody can figure out how those things existed uh, because you can't have a cause creating the effect and all that, which I already said. I would argue that this uncaused first cause must be a personal agent in order to choose to create it all. Uh, think about it. Impersonal forces do not create anything. It's things that we call natural laws, they merely govern what's already been created. Gravity is a perfect example. Gravity doesn't create mass. It merely governs the attraction between mass. The speed of light. Speed of light did not create light. It governs how fast light can go. So in my view, when it comes to this spaceless, timeless, immaterial, powerful agent of choice who is uncaused, the evidence points us most directly to God. Now, what the world wants you to believe is that there's actually two options. Uh, option one is nothing created something out of nothing. That's the atheist view. Uh, if they were writing Genesis 1-1, it would read, in the beginning, nothing created something by running into itself. Uh, that seems uh, odd to me. Uh, even then, they still haven't told us how in the beginning happened. They haven't told us how time was created. So it would have to say, in eternity past, somehow time started itself and then collided with other molecules. But uh, that's option one. Nothing out of nothing into something. Or option two, someone created something out of nothing, which is the theist's view. It's also why Genesis 1 run reads, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So it's really up to you, which sounds more credible. Nothing out of nothing, or something out of nothing. And make no mistake, both are miraculous. Uh, both require an element of faith. I'm just saying mine requires much less faith uh, that someone could create something. Uh, Dr. William Lane Craig, he asked an excellent question about this. He asked, if atheists are going to claim that things can pop into existence uncaused, out of nothing, then why doesn't anything ever do so? Why don't iPads and Teslas and books and pizzas pop into existence out of nothing? He submits, if you're hungry right now uh, for pizza, does it make more sense to order it or just wait and hope? I would order it, or you're going to be hungry for a long time. You know, it's just not going to magically appear. But here's the question I keep coming back to and finding myself asking. If two reasonable, rational people... Uh, are looking at the evidence, how can they come to such wildly different conclusions? Because the evidence is all agreed upon. 
Uh, we believe in a beginning and a cause, and so does, so does the, the most devout atheists. They believe it started at some point. Uh, so how do we get to two such wildly different conclusions about creation? Uh, here's the big idea. I want you to jot this down. The reason we have disagreements on creation is because science doesn't say anything. Scientists do. Scientists are the one who must gather the data. They're the ones who must interpret the results. Science doesn't do that. Information doesn't interpret itself. Science is mute on every subject. This is the reason I say science can't exist if God doesn't exist, because science doesn't actually say anything. Scientists are the ones who communicate the data. So let me give you an example that might put this into perspective. Okay? In 1994, former NFL star O.J. Simpson was the prime suspect in the murders of his ex-wife, Nicole Brown Simpson, and her boyfriend, Ron Goldman. When the case went to trial the next year, things looked really bleak for O.J., the juice. He not only had a motive to kill his wife, but he looked guilty fleeing from the police in his white Ford Bronco. The most damning evidence of all was the trail of blood that literally led from the crime scene directly to O.J. Simpson. Here's the testimony given at trial under law of perjury. Number one, Mr. Simpson's blood was found at the scene of the crime. The odds that it was not Simpson's blood were only one in 170 million. The blood of Ron Goldman, Nicole Brown, and O.J. Simpson were all found in Mr. Simpson's Ford Bronco. The bloody left-handed glove, brand, Eris Light, found at the crime scene had blood from Goldman, Brown, and Simpson, and it matched the right glove, also found at Simpson's house. Uh, Simpson was seen wearing this specific brand of gloves from 1990 on through the time of the murders. The bloody footprints found at the scene and in Simpson's Bronco were from a rare type of Bruno Magli size 12 shoe. Only 299 pairs were sold in the United States, and Simpson owned a pair that matched the footprints. Brown's blood was on Simpson's socks, which had about 20 stains of blood. The blood had DNA characteristics that only 1 in 21 billion Caucasians could have. Meaning, with a world population of only 7.6 billion, that Brown was the only person on the planet likely who had this type of blood. Now, does any of that science say Simpson was guilty? No, because science doesn't say anything. Scientists do, or in this case, jurors do. But given that overwhelming evidence, why didn't the jury convict Simpson? Because if the blood doesn't fit, you must acquit, right? Uh, No, the reason why is because worldview can affect how a person gathers data. NBC did a survey 10 years after the trial because, you know, he was found not guilty in the criminal trial. They brought a civil suit against uh, OJ and they found that he was responsible for the deaths. Uh, But the survey showed that 87% of uh, whites in America thought Simpson was guilty, while only 29% of minorities thought so. Same evidence, drastically different results. Why? Worldview. People interpret data differently. The same uh, reason some people believe Elvis is alive right now. 
You know, he's shacked up with Tupac making rap music on some island. We all know that. Uh, why, why do people think that? Uh, because worldview, people interpret results differently. Again, here's my point. The reason I think we're coming to differing conclusions about God and about creation is because we're starting from different philosophical assumptions. Saying, I believe anything is possible is much different than starting with, I believe anything but God is possible. You know, I, I, the, the same thing plays out in Scripture. I'm reminded of Jesus on the cross. You might know that there are three men who are crucified on the same day as Jesus. One of them looks over at Jesus and says, truly you are the Son of God, you're innocent. Um, and Jesus says, today you'll be with me at paradise. The other person looks at Jesus and said, if you're the Son of God, get us off this cross. I don't want to be up here any more than you do. Uh, Two men, same evidence, wildly different conclusions about the outcome of who Jesus is. See, we all have the free will to interpret data or given data uh, that's gathered for us. We all have the, the free will and ability to interpret that data however we want. Romans 1 says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. That's why we don't agree. Because we don't want to agree To agree would mean we'd have to submit to an authority outside of ourselves. G.K. Chesterton, a famous theologian, once said, The Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and therefore left untried. So true. Uh, Jot this down. Our biggest obstacle to belief in God isn't the evidence. Our biggest obstacle is ourselves. It's not the evidence ourselves. Indulge me for a moment. Without getting into too much detail and without being too crass, the moment you were conceived, your mother unconsciously perfumed her egg with a special chemical attractant to lure the sperm of your father. And to make sure at least one of them got there, your father sent the entire population of the United States, 300 million of his little soldiers towards your mother's egg, and then there was a race. And you won. Congratulations. You were the one that got there. In fact, you were such an amazing swimmer that at your size today, you would have to swim approximately 34,000 miles per hour to equal approximately the same speed you swam back then. Uh, That's fast. Uh, Airplanes don't even travel a thousand miles per hour. And you could swim 34,000. Uh, You say, Pastor, I can't even swim right now. What happened? I have no idea. I cannot help you with that. You'll have to figure that out yourself. But here's where things get really impressive. Because despite the fact that the sperm cell is 30 times smaller than a grain of salt, it contained half of all the genetic code you have in you right now. The other half was in your mother's egg, which just for the record is slightly smaller than a period printed on your sermon notes on that sheet. In truth, 
the information storage capacity of DNA is so dense that if we transcribed all the books in all the world's libraries, uh, their cumulative information that we put it into DNA language, it would fit within a volume equivalent to 1% the size of the head of a pin, a P-I-N, like for sewing. Uh, That's how dense the storage information in your DNA is right now. But once this egg and sperm began fertilization, a biological construction project began without any conscious direction from you or your mother. Hundreds of procedures took place automatically and simultaneously involving, among other things, chromosomes, amino acids, proteins, DNA, and cell division. Listen to me. Some of them reproducing at a rate of over 100,000 per second. In the time that you're just sitting here in our service this morning, your body will have created over 90 billion cells to replace old cells that have died. That's remarkable. Not only that, but all these cells knew where to go and what to do in order to become each one of your major organs. How did certain cells know to become heart cells Why others knew to become brain cells? Listen to me, science has no explanation. They can't explain why some of your cells do one thing while others do other things. Uh, Biologists say, we just need more time in order to discover it. To which I say, take your time, I've already got my answer. But this goal directedness is even more impressive when you consider that sometimes things go wrong and embryos make Herculean efforts to get back on track. And developmental biologists right now, as we speak, are deliberately interfering with developing animal and insect embryos to see what will happen. In one article, the biologist writes, Remarkably, although interference may introduce deformities, the basic endpoint of development never changes. If they survive at all, fruit fly eggs always become fruit flies. Frog eggs always become frogs. Mouse eggs always become mice. Not even the species changes. Every embryo is somehow programmed, his words, to develop into a particular species of animal. No matter what we do to a fruit fly embryo, there are only three possible outcomes. You've got to understand this. Either A, a normal fruit fly, B, a defective fruit fly, or C, a dead fruit fly. I don't know if he's bemoaning the subject or just stating fact, but he writes, we can't even get a horse fly from a fruit fly, much less a horse. Huh. You know, that kind of uh, blows out the whole evolutionary uh, idea. Uh, Where's all the evidence to support it? Uh, Biologist Ariel Roth said, God never performed a miracle to convince an atheist because his ordinary works can provide sufficient evidence. So true. Uh, But you see, atheists and theists believe some incredible things they've not seen. Yet somehow, only the Christians are viewed as unreasonable for believing in God. Atheists are given a pass without providing any evidence. I want to make that clear. Literally no evidence to support their claims. (coughs) Excuse me, that the universe, life, the genetic code, consciousness... Time, all of it arose by mindless, repetitive natural forces. Or in extreme cases, their evidence is now aliens. 
uh, that's the that's a new theory. Don't know if you've uh, just heard that or not, but uh, they believe it is something had to create all of this. So it must have been the aliens. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Will Smith took care of them for us. <laughs> so now what do we do? I don't know. Meanwhile, Christians are being mocked for believing in an all-powerful God. In my estimation, St. Augustine summarized it best, the reason why. He said, we love the truth when it enlightens us. We hate the truth when it convicts us. That's really the issue. The issue isn't the evidence. The issue is us. On some level, we all know that there is a creator. We are without excuse, as Romans 1 says. And because there's a creator, we know that there's also a way that he has designed the world to work. There's a right way and a wrong way to live. And unfortunately, many of us, all of us, have lived the wrong way more than the right way. We're all selfish. We're all greedy. We're all envious. Left to our own devices, we all would choose ourselves over someone else and think about ourselves more than them. We're impatient. We're anxious. We break the law every time we drive. Five over, you know. It's illegal. Uh, should I, you know, can I keep going? Uh, we all want to do what we want, when we want. We want what we want, when we want it. Uh, we all like the created more than the creator. But if this creator is the God of the Bible, as I'm hypothesizing, then he can't allow our selfishness and bad deeds to go unpunished. What's convenient is all other world religions have created a list of things that you can start doing in order to measure up and avoid this punishment, which is nice because that puts control back into our hands. And since we're mainly good people, uh, it should be no problem for us to get the good to start outweighing the bad. Uh, But that's why Christianity is so offensive. Uh, because what uh, it, really it's the only world religion uh, that's attacked by science because I feel like it is the true world religion. Uh, but what's so offensive about Christianity is that it's not about being good. It's not about the list of things that you need to do in order to become good. Jesus did not come to this earth to make bad people good. Jesus came to this earth to make dead people live. Uh, we were dead in our trespasses and, and trespassings against God, but he made us alive in Christ. See, the reason Christianity is so hard to accept, despite the evidence, is because Christianity literally has nothing to do with you and everything to do with God. For God so loved the world that he created. Now, that's offensive to hear uh, because we're not the ones who are amazing. So here's the last thing that I'll say, and then I'm done. Despite what philosophy or science or religion or anybody else wants to say, the Christian faith is not predicated by our need for a creator. The Christian faith is rooted in our need for a savior. I can give you all the evidence in the world, but until you get to the place in life where you realize that Jesus is the only answer to all your objections, Um, none of the things that I say will ever suffice. There will always be one more reason for you to disbelieve. 
That's why I wanted you to see Colossians 1.17 that says, For in Him and through Him all things are working together. This is about Jesus. Now, the reason we're here this morning is about Jesus. I know I said I was teaching, but I'm getting a little bit preachy right now because it's all that we're doing. The whole point of this is for Jesus. Amen, somebody. So I hope I've given you some evidences for you to, to stand firm in your faith for God and, and that you can believe in science and God. They're not at odds with one another. They're two sides of the same coin. Uh, but most of all, I hope that God has used my words to maybe start stirring in your soul a little bit. For those of you that who believe in God, that he would be stirring to just say, man, I, I need to, to recapture the wonder of everything that God is offering in this life. But for those of you who have never trusted Jesus as your Savior, what I hope is happening right now is you feel a stirring in your spirit and God is trying to to make himself known to you, uh, to make himself real to you. I want to give you an opportunity uh, to respond to what's happening in your heart right now. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, uh, let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you again for the opportunity to come and gather in this place. Thank you for creation. Thank you for everything that you've given us in this world to enjoy. We believe these are good gifts from you. Uh, Even for people who don't believe, they get to see your grace by offering them an amazing world and beautiful sunshine and, and beautiful things that you have created. But God, we're submitting ourselves to you right now. We're We're believing in who you said you are. And I know that you said that you set your son to this earth to pay the penalty that was due us. That we have sinned, that we have fallen short, that we haven't believed in you. And you sent Jesus to make yourself known to us. If you're here this morning and you you want to put your faith in Jesus, you want to say, no, I believe. The Bible simply says, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you can be saved. I want to give you a chance to do that right now. Just pray along with me in your heart. You can simply say, God, I believe. I believe in you. I believe you created this world and everything in it. I believe that I have not lived the way you've asked me to live. I believe I've sinned. But I believe in Jesus. I believe he died for me. And I believe he rose from the dead. And because of that, I can be made new. Thank you for saving me. Help me live for you. And God, I just ask that you help each person in here. Encourage them to live for you. Draw them one step closer to your presence. We do all of this for Christ alone. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.